Hello and welcome to Around the Nest, Jay talking our way around the Blue Jays minor league organization. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. Let's start Jay talking. And we begin this week in the Appalachian League. Let's begin with the voice of the Bluefield Blue Jays, Zach Helton. Zach, how are you? I am uh, fabulous, Jesse. How are you? Thanks for having me on again. I'm doing well. Let's first talk about a player who's about to join you. The Jordan Groshans experience, the first rounder, comes right up to Bluefield. Yeah, we're uh, we're excited about him. He just got to town today and uh, haven't seen the starting lineup yet, but we're hoping uh, to get him in early tonight, if not start him. And uh, 333 in the Gulf Coast League, nothing to shake your head about, but uh, it's going to be good to have Jordan here for the uh, playoff push and for the last couple of weeks here of the regular season. Now let's talk about another one of your young players, and let's go back to last night. Eric Pardino is on, to say the least. He'll face the top of the order here to begin the seventh. Marrero, Severino, and Celestino, with two three-hitters who are combined 0 for 6 on the night. 0-2 the count to Williams. Two down here in the seventh. Pardino on home. Fastball swung on him is to Williams. Goes down for the sixth strikeout of the night. And Pardino gave up the perfect game, but he's still got a one-hitter and a shutout. And Zach, let's talk about Eric Pardino's game yesterday. Brought a perfect game into the seventh inning. Settled for 73 pitches, seven innings of one-hit shutout baseball, no walks. Did you realize near the start of it, oh, this could be special? I think about uh, about midway through the second inning, I thought there's no one reaching yet. And then got to the fourth, I got a little antsy. I, I didn't want to mention it, uh, but uh, I, I let it slip one time. I said, he's faced the minimum, and I knew, I knew he was on for a special night. And, and it, was, it, was so, it was so great. Uh, the fact that uh, just a week ago he faced the same Elizabethan squad and gave up three home runs and took the L. So he came back strong and got the win, and there was a lot of people here, a lot of scouts here watching Pardino last night. And uh, even after he gave up that hit, he, he regrouped and finished off the seventh. And I thought maybe Dennis would let him come back for the eighth, but I think after after the uh, perfect game bid was done, uh, it was his night to just finish up the inning and, and go strong. But Pardino was just one piece of the puzzle in that. Medina and Rakowski also came in. All three of those guys com- combined for the shutout and the three-hitter, only 99 pitches between the three last night, 69 of them strikes, eight Ks and three hits, and no walks on the night. So a solid night from the Bluefield pitching staff, and Pardino was the head of it. And uh, it, it he's grown throughout the year. He's been so fun to watch, and last night was kind of the uh, capstone of his season. Something else I noted about yesterday's game, there's Andy McGuire coming through with three more base hits. He's your Otani. He keeps on pitching well. He keeps on hitting well. What have you seen recently? McGuire, 314 average, four doubles, four RBIs, and eight uh, base on balls in limited action in the field. Also, he's got a 455 on base percentage, a 429 slugging percentage. That's among the team leaders, and that's all from a guy who is a pitcher on the roster. He's still sporting that 1.50 ERA, and uh, more than likely we'll see him either tonight or tomorrow in this series on the bump. But uh, Andy McGuire is uh, going to be. It's going to be a tough decision for someone up the chain to say, is he going to be a pitcher or is he going to be a fielder? Because he can do both rather well. 
On the subject of Jordan Groshans coming up, you earlier this year, just a couple of weeks ago, had a player who was doing great in the Gulf Coast League move up to Bluefield. And so far, the transition appears smooth for Gabriel Moreno. Yeah, Moreno has had a tremendous year so far. Uh, 345 here in Bluefield. Uh, he may catch tonight, as Kurt caught last night. Uh, we've got a solid group of catchers, and he is one of them. He has made the solid transition, and I think uh, Jordan may stop by uh, Groshen's locker tonight as he gets to town and say, hey, give me a little heads up uh, on uh, uh, Moreno, I should say. Stop by Moreno's locker and say, hey, give me a little heads up about how uh, things are uh, here in Bluefield. And I think uh, I think this, the whole clubhouse is going to take in Jordan with open arms and help him uh, as much as they can down the stretch. When I was talking to the catching coordinator, Ken Huckabee, he mentioned Moreno and he mentioned Alejandro Kirk as guys that he really loved watching catch. What have you seen from each of them defensively? Well, Moreno is a catcher by trade. He is uh, cat-like reflexes. Uh, handles the staff rather well, got a cannon of an arm, uh, a great blocker as well, and, and his bat does his talking. Kirk has uh, kind of had to step into the role as catcher this year. as he, He's a DH on the roster, uh, but with some of the injuries we've had, Kirk has stepped up and played rather well behind the plate as well. Last night, I don't think he had a pass ball. Uh, no one ran. We didn't really have any base runners, so no one ran on Kirk. So his arm wasn't tested last night, but Kirk uh, has shown the ability to pop up and throw out runners and fill the position uh, behind the plate rather well. And I think, you know, he could he could make some noise on up the chain as well uh, behind the plate because his bat certainly is doing the talking uh, so far. And that's what everyone seemed to notice, but uh, behind the plate, Kirk is uh, is pretty good as well. Let's talk playoff outlook. How are you feeling about things? After last night's uh, outing with Pardino, feeling rather well. A uh, couple of games back, but still in second place behind Princeton. It, I, we've got a nice little series with them this weekend, Sunday and Monday. So that could be a precursor to what's coming up uh, right after the regular season. But I think a three-game set with Princeton is right around the corner, and uh, we just got to finish off this last week and a half of the regular season. And uh, with the ads – the additions we're, we're making here on our end and uh, with the additions Princeton's made here in the past couple of weeks, I think uh, the playoffs are going to be rather exciting here in Mercer County. Let me ask you, as I'm discussing matters with Zach Helton, the voice of the Bluefield Blue Jays. In general, I like to ask about the players and specifics, observations. Have there been any moments in games recently that stood out to you? It's just one of those wacky things that you never know you might see, but suddenly it pops out to liven up the evening. I, I tell you what, uh, De La, Luis De Los Santos, his defense has been on par all year. Um, I think uh, last week he made a, a wild throw and error, and, uh, you know, you could kind of see it on the, on the look of his face. He was kicking himself. Said, oh man, you know, I had that out. Uh, the, the base runner was slow. He had plenty of time, and he was kind of thinking to himself, you know, I, I wish I had that over again. It wasn't maybe two or three pitches later, ground ball to Lantigua and flips it to De Los Santos, and they turn a beautiful double play that they have all year. And I think he kind of regrouped quickly and made a nice play. And, and, and that's what we've seen out of the Blue Jays all year here in Bluefield. You know, they'll make a mistake. They're young. We understand that. But uh, they get right back on the horse and they're not afraid of it. And that's one of the fun things about this team 
is night in and night out. You'll see kids grow through nine innings. And uh, that's the exciting part for me is just watching this team grow, not only throughout the season, but on a night-to-night basis. Well, the Bluefield Blue Jays, bluefieldjays.com. They are home through this weekend against Elizabethan tonight, tomorrow, and then taking on Princeton. And then they hit the road next week but re- before returning home to face Pulaski next weekend. He is Zach Helton, the voice of the Bluefield Blue Jays. Zach, it is good to get your word on everything going on and enjoy the first rounder just arriving. Thanks, Jesse. Always a pleasure. Well, good. Well, that was Zach Helton with Bluefield at Z underscore Helton on Twitter. Let's talk a bit. This is around the nest. Jay talking away around the Blue Jays minor league organization. I love to bring in the broadcasters from around the different affiliates. Let me tell you a little bit about what we did with the Lansing Lugnuts this past week. It was game recreation night, and the minor leaguer on Bluebird Banter invited me several years back to write up what it is about game recreation. Uh, Matt Shannon, a Lansing Lugnuts pitcher, asked me earlier today, what was that that you were doing? So once a year in August, what I do is I recreate a baseball game in tribute to the way that broadcasters used to be forced to have to call the games. They could not go on the road, and so they'd have to sit back in the studio. The game would be delivered to them via wire, and then with their sound effects, with their canned sound, with whatever else they had at their disposal, they would make their audience feel like they were at the baseball game that night. And so that way they brought you to the field even if they weren't at the field. That is what Dante DeCaria and I did. Dante messaged me for the first several innings, then we switched off, and then we switched back recreating the Lansing Lugnuts game against the Bowling Green Hot Rods. And so it sounded a little bit like this. This was Samad Taylor back in that game three nights ago. One ball, no strike pitch to Samad Taylor on its way. Taylor swings, hits a high fly ball to left field. It backs up Gomez, looks up, goodbye! He hit it out on the home run hill in left. A two-run homer for Taylor. So that was some canned crowd sound in the background behind me. That is me uh, cracking uh, a croquet mallet against a stick. And then everything else is just standing in the open press box at Cooley Law School Stadium at Lansing, Michigan, trying to bring through life through my imagination what Dante had messaged me, which was that Samad Taylor had gone yard. We're Jay talking away around the organization. I'm Jesse goldberg Strassler. Let's go right to the top in AAA Buffalo. Let me bring in Pat Malacaro, the voice of the herd. Pat, how are you? Great, Jesse. How about yourself? I'm very well. Let's talk about the Bisons. First, Billy McKinney gets called up. What can Blue Jays fans expect? Well, Billy is a guy who has found a swing over the last week or so with the Bisons. And the team was in Charlotte the last couple of days uh, prior to yesterday. And for folks that don't know, Charlotte is a pretty small ballpark. It's, it's, it's plays very small and, and can be very hitter friendly. And McKinney took advantage of the situation, uh, hit, hit some big home runs. They would have been home runs in any ballpark, but uh, hit some nice home runs. His first three in a Bison uniform, now 16 on the season between Scranton and Buffalo. And the thing that has impressed me the most is his defense and his ability to um, you know, throw guys out with his accuracy and the, the power behind his throws in the outfield. So, I think he's a guy that will do well filling in over the next couple of days while Luke Maley's on the paternity list and will get the Jays some depth. And I think he's one of those guys that probably would have gotten a look anyways in September 
um, being on the 40-man roster and, um, you know, getting a little big league time earlier this year with the Yankees, making his big league debut against Toronto, coincidentally. So I think he's a guy that uh, will project out to be, you know, a, 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 a guy that can positions for uh, for the Blue Jays in the outfield and um, and help out when needed. Let's go back three days. Your 14 to five victory over Charlotte, the 18 hit attack. How much fun was it to watch that game? It, it was a lot of fun, and that that was exactly what you'd normally expect in Charlotte, where uh, the ball carries very well. Uh, the Bison definitely took advantage of uh, the situations and being able to hit the ball uh, to all fields against Charlotte and uh, their long games. That's what you, what you kind of come, come to know in Charlotte, but um, they're, the Bisons had a lot of extra base hits, so that's kind of what you normally see in, in the Knights' ballpark. This is a trip for you. You go down south, so three games in Charlotte, four games at Gwinnett. How is this road trip? It's been good so far. Uh, you know, the Bisons took all three against the Knights, took a four-game winning streak into last night. Unfortunately, um, the Stripers got the best of the Bisons yesterday, but this is a good test, I think. This, the, the Braves are another organization that have some very good pitching prospects. Um, we'll see tonight Max Freed on the mound uh, on a major league rehab assignment. He's still very young, a left-hander uh, who's been very good uh, in his short time in the organization. So I think this is a good test for the Bisons, and – uh, There's a last trip outside of the division, so the Bison will see the Northern Division uh, over the final two weeks of the season, and so I'm looking forward to the next couple of days here in Gwinnett County. Was there any surprise on your part when Gift and Gope was given his release? There wasn't, unfortunately. Uh, just never seemed to get things going in a Bison uniform this season uh, at the plate, and um, with, with the roster shuffling that there's been over the last couple of weeks and last month, really, um, he was one of those guys that was kind of lost in it. So uh, for the betterment of, I think, him and giving him an opportunity over the final couple of weeks to maybe see regular at bat somewhere else, I think it probably was the best thing um, in, in all situations. With regard to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., because you knew that a Vladdy Jr. question had to come, mm-hmm. uh, the players in Lansing have been enjoying the fact that Suddenly a new stat is released. Oh, he's never gone hitless three consecutive games before in his career. Oh, he's never taken an 0 for 5 before in his career. He rebounds yesterday, a couple of hits, one more walk. What have you seen from him this past week? Yeah, I mean, he was the reigning International League Batter of the Week for what he did last week in a Bajan uniform, and you can only perform at that level for so long. So uh, I don't want to say he took a step back, but he he definitely, um, in Charlotte, uh, the, the pitchers got the better of him a little bit. So he came back last night with a multi-hit performance, two more hits, um, and exactly what you expect to see. He hit the ball to two different spots of the ballpark, and uh, both were solid base hits. And uh, the one thing is he, he always puts the barrel on the ball. And even if, he's, even if he's out, his outs are never easy outs. And I think that's the one thing, the one constant you've seen from him. So uh, he definitely got back to what, what you guys would have seen and what everybody else throughout the minors had seen over the first uh, couple of years of his career. Let's look ahead to your next homestand. More excited mm-hmm. about the mystery ball night or more excited about the Lego Builders weekend? Well, uh, an 80s child, an early 90s child, uh, Legos were always a part of uh, growing up. So I'm looking forward to that. and a lot of people in our front office are. And I- I've been told that the, the Lego Builders um, 
group, if you want to call it that, it doesn't travel to a lot of places. So that the Bisons are on the short list, I think, is a thing for me that uh, makes it that, that much more special. So I'm looking forward to maybe heading down to the concourse for, for a couple of minutes and seeing what I can put together. And Mystery Ball Night is great. We raise, raise a lot of money for a good charity cause. So that'll be good as well. But uh, something as unique as Lego Builders Weekend, where we might only see it once, I think that's, that's the reason that'll put it uh, over top of Mystery Ball Night. Well, sounds like everything will be awesome. Pat, thank you very much. On Twitter, <laughs> you can find Pat at patwgrbisons.com. He's the voice of the herd. Thank you very much for checking in. Well done, Jesse. Talk to you next week. <laughs> You've got it. From Pat at AAA, let me bring in Tyler Murray, AA. Tyler, voice of the people, how are you and how are the Fisher Cats? Jesse, I'm great. The cats are great. Heading into Trenton tonight, a big series to see if they can extend their lead in first place. Right now it looks like it's going to be the Blue Jays and the Yankees double-A affiliates squaring off in the first round of the Eastern League playoffs. But they've got four games in the next three days and a real chance for the Fisher Cats to put themselves in position to get that home field advantage for the first round of the postseason. Kevin Biggio yesterday, heroic or most heroic? Uh, most heroic, I guess I would say, from those two options. Uh, he entered the season, as you know, without any multi-homer games, but now two this year alone, at 26 home runs to lead the league now. It's just so impressive what he's able to do. And uh, you just heard about Vlad from Pat up in AAA. And you, you got the sense that, when Vlad was up, he was always going to hit the ball hard. He was always going to have a quality at that. But for Kevin Biggio, last night in the ninth inning, you had the sense, even when he got ahead just 2-0, and that he was going to do something special. And when he got up three balls and no strikes, we knew that John Schneider loves to give the green light to his guys. Biggio actually had a game-tying homer in the ninth on a 3-0 pitch earlier this year in Harrisburg. So you knew he was getting the green light. He got a grooved fastball, and he crushed it. it when, when you can see a walk-off homer coming before the pitch is thrown, uh, that's when you know you got a special player on your hands. And uh, that's what we saw last night with Vigio's second of the day. I feel like that's how the Washington Nationals broadcasters have been watching their bullpen recently. This is more positive. <laughs> Kevin Vigio in right field. Uh, <laughs> Kevin in right field. Is this something we'll be seeing more often? Oh, well, it's interesting. We had a, a roster move yesterday. Great to have Juan Kelly back in at first base off of the disabled list. And I would estimate that was more of a, a one or two time thing. John Schneider did play Cavan in right field just one time last year in Dunedin as well as only other professional uh, game played in right. But there was a moment when Cavan almost had a 9-2 double play. It wound up being a sacrifice fly. Caught the ball in right field, a one-hot strike to the plate, and it looked like a good throw and a good tag from Ryan Hissey, but the home plate umpire said he was safe, and John Schneider thought it was close enough to argue about it. So, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Kevin get a little more uh, opportunity out in uh, right field, but it's just another, uh, another addition to his versatility and what he can do for a team. Question that I'm going to ask both you and Jim Tarabokia with Dunedin. Do you see any candidates on the Fisher Cats for the Arizona Fall League? Well, sure. I mean, looking at last year's team where you have Max Pentecost and Jonathan Davis, uh, Danny Young was there as well. I believe Andrew Case got a call for it, too. There's a lot of exciting talent on this team, and you wonder, I don't know, I remember we were talking about uh, before the show started, Hector Perez and what he's been able to do on the Hill. Maybe he's a guy you want to see continue pitching more to 
build off his last great start with seven strikeouts and no walks. Um, he's a guy who comes to mind, but in, in terms of how those decisions are made, I, I can't really speak to that all that much, Jesse. But I know last year winning the championship with the Peoria Javelinas, uh, that was a, a team that was made up of a lot of Fisher Cats. We could easily see several of them there again. That's the fun of it. All those Dunedin Blue Jays, too, who had their rings, and then they went to the AFL, and they won more rings. All right, speaking of uh, Hector Perez, question from Bluebird Banter, and I'm going to go quote-unquote. Thoughts on Hector Perez and what the club is doing to refine his command, as he clearly has the quote-unquote stuff to be a frontline starter, and then also quote-unquote, also along the lines of Perez, do you see him taking a leap next year, like Sean Reed Foley did this year? in terms of putting everything together and breaking out. So what are your thoughts? I think he's in good hands with pitching coach Vince Horseman. And I'm not just saying that because we love Vince and because he's been here for three years. There's actually a story coming up in the Toronto Star on what Vince has been able to do with young power pitching because Sean Reed Foley um, has said multiple times to Toronto media how much Vince Horseman helped him develop and make his way up to the major leagues. And, of course, Last year for Sean wasn't the year he wanted to have. And right out of the gate in 2018, he's been fantastic. You can look at guys like Tim Meza and this year specifically John Harris and Jordan Romano uh, that Vince has worked with. And what he's done with those guys has helped, as we've talked about before on this program, keep their deliveries more deceptive, keep their mechanics more consistent. And for Hector Perez, I think it's important to note that, yes, he was in double A when the trade happened for Roberto Ozuna, but He'd only made four appearances for Corpus Christi in the Astros system, and two of those were out of the bullpen. So it's not as if he's a seasoned double-A pitcher. He is a hot prospect for sure. He is a big-time talent, easy mid-90s velocity. Uh, But in terms of being a surefire double-A all-star, ready to move up quickly, I think that's maybe asking a little too much. So I think next year, I wouldn't even call it a breakout season that we're expecting. I just think his development is going to continue on the upswing it currently is on, and he should have himself a great year. And I, I don't see any reason why I couldn't put together another start like he just did. Six innings, two hits, one run, seven strikeouts, no walks. Put a few more of those together, and maybe he's not even here in double-A at all next season. There are a lot of games on the horizon for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. They are on the road at Trenton. They have a doubleheader coming up tomorrow, Saturday. And then after they come home, after playing two games at Portland, they host the Portland Sea Dogs in a doubleheader next Wednesday. And that leads them through. That's two days, three games, followed by a three-game homestand against the Binghamton, not the Mets, the Rumble Ponies. And you can find him on Twitter at LT underscore underscore Murray on a, via your local web devices. Tyler Murray, thank you very much. Jesse, thank you. I'll work on my Twitter handle abilities uh, somewhere down the line. Keep up the good work, my friend. <laughs> I think you do just fine. And from Tyler Murray in AA, let me bring in Jim Tarabokia and the Dunedin Blue Jays. Jim, how are you? Hey, Jesse. How's it going? It's going well. Let's start off with this. Any likely candidates that you might see who'd say this person would be great for the Arizona Fall League? Well, I, I think Kevin Smith would be one. Obviously, you know, you saw it this year with his breakout year. And I think maybe getting um, uh, a, a chance in the Arizona Fall League uh, and a fall under his belt there um, instead of, say, instructs or whatever the case may be uh, would really help him, I think, in his development as well because um, I think he'll be facing guys who, um, you know, are some of the top top uh, you know pitchers in their respective organizations. So um, I, I think it will really help his, uh, his development and also help, kind of help see – 
uh, where he is in his development process um, if you're the Toronto organization. So I think he would be the one guy um, that uh, for sure should get a shot. And I think maybe a couple of surprises as well. Um, maybe Yvonne Castillo, who, uh, you know, hit a home run last night and he's hitting um, 300 right on the nose and uh, tied for the second best in the league on the leaderboard. And maybe a Rodrigo Orozco as well um, with the year he's having. Seventh in the league in uh, runs scored on the leaderboard. Um, eighth best, or excuse me, uh, fifth best batting average. So um, and he's playing a very good defense here in the second half. So I think those are a couple of guys that could also surprise us and maybe get a spot um, in the Arizona Fall League as well. Let's stick right with them. Ivan Castillo, I don't think we've given him that much attention over the course of this year. Talk to me about Ivan. Yeah, you know, here's a guy who uh, came over from the Texas organization. And, you know, I, we didn't really know what we had with Ivan, but he's played uh, in the outfield where he's been successful. He's playing second base tonight. Uh, he's played at third base. Uh, he's actually gotten a shot at shortstop as well. Very versatile uh, switch hitter. And uh, you know, somebody who, uh, as the season has really moved along and progressed, he's gotten more and more comfortable at the plate, um, especially with his approach, watching pitches into the mitt of uh, the catcher. Uh, you can tell he recognizes spin very well. So, uh, you know, with Yvonne, I, I'm really happy to see, you know, him having a lot of success, kind of a, a quiet guy who, um, you know, leads well in the clubhouse. And, you know, when we won eight straight, he was right there in the thick of things. And, and another thing, too, with Yvonne, he can bat anywhere in the order, um, and he can be successful. He can bat seventh, eighth, ninth, uh, first, second. He's leading off tonight for just the third time this year, but he's also been very successful in the number two spot as well, getting on base. So, you know, with, with the Castillo, I, I, I'm really happy to see him doing so well. Um, and he's been a good addition to this. Uh, what I, you know, I think he's been a good addition to this Toronto organization. Now, Rodrigo Orozco, one of my favorite things about him is that he's a legacy, that his father played big-time Panamanian baseball. He grew up playing big-time Panamanian baseball. And so with the Lugnuts last year, he was one of those guys who, under the radar, was a tremendous role player. Yeah, I don't think he's much of a role player anymore. I think he's consistently uh, one of our top guys here in the second half. Uh, performance-wise, because he can play center, he can play right, he can play left. And another thing, too, with, with Orozco, uh, you know, I mentioned he's playing good defense in the in the second half here. You know, he, his routes to baseballs are a lot better than they were in the first half, and that just goes to show how hard he's really worked at, at, at trying to get better um, and improving his routes in the outfield. But, again, uh, he's not a role player because in the second half, uh, he's hitting over 300, and he's been another key guy who can bat – second he can bat fifth he can bat seventh eighth he's batting ninth tonight and he's a quiet guy you know and, and he just kind of goes about his business every day and tries to get better um and and has a plan up there at the plate and has a plan in batting practice as well and when he's in the cage he's in there for a purpose so um yeah i, I think that's why he's taking such a huge step forward uh it's his approach that probably i don't know i'm sure though it's probably always been there i think it's just part of the development process um with with him maturing as a player. We talked about doing this last week. Here we go. Joshua Palacios' amazing catch. McClellan delivers home. Swung on, lifted high in the air. Deep right center field in the gap. Roscoe going back. Palacios on the track. Slides. Makes the catch. Palacios makes the catch in front of the wall. What a play. The ball game is over. And the Blue Jays win it 6-5. to five. Are you kidding me? 
That is the only evidence that that catch occurred, and we just heard it. Well, yeah, right. If you put that on Twitter, then then that's the only evidence that the Twitter world will ever see uh, as well. So uh, it did happen. Now you know. It, now you definitely know that it happened, right? And now, now so it's definitely. There's that great catch, Jim. And then what does he do next? It turns around and he circles the bases with an inside the park home run. How much fun was that to call? Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. He he really gets about around the bases quick, and uh, you probably saw that last year, right? And, uh, yeah, he. I mean, he. Gosh, I, I was looking at because where it was hit, it, it, it banged off the the base of the wall in the alleyway and left center, right in front of the scoreboard, and it kicked towards center field. And the two outfielders, I forget who they were, um, were were pretty much five feet away from each other on the warning track in the alleyway in left center. So the ball's, meanwhile, the ball's kicking towards straightaway center field. And all of a sudden I look up or I look at Palacios, I'm, I'm looking around. I see him on his way halfway to third already. And I'm like, he's going to get an inside the park home run. And uh, I mean, he got there easily. I mean, there wasn't even a play. I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I mean, when he is on a wind sprint, he is so fast. And um, you know, one thing with Palacios, uh, he's really starting to show his tools and it's really fun to watch because now he's starting to show how, how hard he can hit the ball, how many times consistently he can barrel it up. He's making hard contact. He's showing his power and he's starting to show his power the opposite way as well. And uh, just that speed is phenomenal. I mean, again, he made it home standing without a throw and uh, I forget who cut it off. It was a shortstop. I forget who it was, but he cut it off in shallow center and he didn't even bother to make a throw. That's how fast the blast shows is. Let's wrap up with this playoff picture as far as the DJs are concerned. Yeah, right now, I mean, uh, they're five and a half back in the uh, North Division in third place. They sit a game and a half back of second place Lakeland. And uh, it's been a rough stretch here as of late, uh, having lost 10 of their last 11 games. And uh, Clearwater, they just don't, they don't seem to lose anymore. They, I think they've won 12 of their last 14. So, um, you know, this is pretty much um, almost must-win territory at this point with this team here. Uh, and, and if not must-win, uh, they have to win every series from here on out. They want to have a shot at the playoffs. But, uh, you know, a lot of it, too, with what they put themselves in in that circumstance, uh, of, you know, a lot of it is also out of their control. But, you know, what they, what they have to do is really just focus on what they can control, and that's you know, going out there every single night. You know, and and doing the, the the fundamentals correctly, playing correctly, and, and trying to win a series, taking you know two of three against St. Lucie this weekend, two of three against Clearwater next week, and then um, you know two of three from Brains in the week after that, and then two of three from Palm Beach, two of three from Daytona, and uh, you know you let the rest the rest of the pieces fall where where they may. Well, at Jim Tara on Twitter, he's Jim Tara Bokia, the voice of the Dunedin Blue Jays. We'll be following along closely and seeing what's down the uh, down the pike. Jim, thank you very much for coming aboard this week. Hey, Jesse. Thank you, buddy. Have a good one. You've got it. It's such a pleasure to hear. Big-time plays by Joshua Palacios. The Lansing Lugnuts have been seeing some big-time plays as well, and here's my broadcast partner, Dante DeCaria. Dante, how are you? Jesse, I couldn't be better except for the fact that I got hit with a baseball just about moments ago before coming on. Where? How? What happened? I was standing behind Danny Jimenez and Dalton Rodriguez as they were throwing the the ball around. Um, I was listening to Jim Tarapogia talk about uh, Rodrigo Rosco when all of a sudden a ball hit me in the leg. And then I turned around and fired it right back to Danny. And I looked at Dalton 
had my hands on my hips, and I said, are you kidding me? Well, let's talk about those players and more. Let's talk about the Lansing Lugnuts. The Lugnuts are out of the playoffs. We don't have to talk playoff picture. The Lugnuts are winning. They've won nine out of their last 13 games. And let's begin with Samad Taylor, who continues to play better and better baseball. What have you seen from him recently? He's confident at home plate. But the thing is, if you ask Samad Taylor in an interview or if you ask him, hey, how's your season going? How are you playing recently? He'll say, well, I'm still batting 230. But you have to look at his overall numbers. We talked about this on the broadcast last night. 28 doubles. That is second in the Midwest League behind Lansing Lugman's center fielder, Chavez Young, who's first with 31. And then Samad Taylor's got 40 steals. You know, he's closing in on 100 hits. He's got 50 walks. He walked twice last night. Now 50 walks on the season. He's batting 340 in the month of August. I mean, this guy has turned the corner. But I, I, I've always thought he's been an impact player all season. You know, like, I, I really don't understand, you know, why his average is so low. One of the reasons is because he bats at the top of the order, and sometimes he'll go one for five consistently. But overall, I think Samad Taylor's played not only great defensively, he's been good on the base pass, and uh, he's been good at home play. He's got such quick hands that when a soft tosser's on the mound, he can't necessarily get around with that barrel to pull it. But when a guy's throwing 100, like we saw in 100, against Hunter Green, who was throwing 103, Samad took him deep to left center field. Overall, he's had a great season, and I think he'll be in Dunedin next year. You mentioned Chavez Young leading the Midwest League in doubles and also up there in a lot of other offensive categories. How about Chavez recently? I think Chavez Young has been the most consistent player on the Lansing Lugnuts team all season. He has hovered around 290 to 300 since April until now. We're talking about a 5-2 player in my eyes. He's a line drive hitter. He's got a little bit of pop. He's got a couple of home runs over his last 10 games. He's got double power. He, he can leg it out for a triple. We see his seven triples is tied for second in the Midwest League. He can steal. He's got 34 stolen bases this year. He's got a great body. He's got a great work ethic. He's a great teammate. Overall, he's the full package, and I think the Blue Jays got a steal, drafted him in the 39th round in 2016. And I, honestly, I think um, he'll be in Dunedin next year, and he'll be an impact player, and eventually he will find his way onto the top 30 prospect list by MLB.com. A highlight from this past week's worth of Lansing Lugnuts action was a playoff preview. It will be the Lugnuts taking on the Bowling Green Hot Rods, and the two teams split a hard-fought four-game series. What did you see? Um, Jesse, that was probably the best series that the Lugnuts had played all season, and it was the most excited series for the fans against Bowling Green. I mean, we're talking about in game one, we got to see three ejections in one inning. Cesar Martin. Matty Young, the hitting coach, and Chavez Young, in which I heard this. When he gave it to the bases umpire, Jen Powell, he did not drop a single swear word. I also found this out about Chavez Young, that he does not swear at all. Um, He's a guy that's not really about swearing. He's been taught that by his parents. I thought I'd mention that. But, I mean, back to the Bowling Green series, um, it was awesome. The Lansing Lugnett scored at least six runs in each of the four games against the Hot Rods, and the pitching was good. To the mo- for the most part, I thought um, we saw some great courage by the Lugnuts hitters, and they've had a great approach. They're battling in the counts, and they're giving themselves opportunities to hit based off the speed in that series, especially in game one. We saw the top of the order. Pruitt, 
then Samad, then Chavez Young, all three guys that can get on base and steal at any time to create havoc and get the guys in the middle part of the order an opportunity to drive them in. The Lugnuts now lead all of minor league baseball with 172 stolen bases this year. The Lugnuts are doing things. Ryan Noda continuing to pace at the very top of minor league baseball with all of his walks. He's up to 94. Who else has stood out to you over the course of the past week? Oh, Jesse, I'm I'm surprised you didn't ask. Jesus Navarro, reigning player of the week in the Midwest League, batting 650 and having, I believe it was, what, four or five consecutive multi-hit games, just like Grizzolonic's done over the last four. But Navarro was going three for three, then he would go two for two, and then he would go three for three. Like, he just wasn't getting out. Bowling Creek could not get him out. David could not get him out. He was playing great defense at short, playing great defense at third base. And when I talked to Matty Young, and I talked to Cesar earlier today about what he's done at home plate differently, he says that Jesus, they, they told me that Jesus Navarro is looking to do damage. He's giving himself opportunities and good counts. And it might sound cliche. I know I talk about this all the time. But Matty Young told me something very important earlier this week. The one thing that, it, that brought him to the Blue Jays organization as a hitting coach here in Lansing is how the Blue Jays don't want to teach mechanics like, for example, the Dodgers and other teams like to do. They want to teach approach at home plate. And Matty Young believes in approach rather than mechanics because he says mechanics is so easy to fix. It takes, you know, a snap of your fingers, whereas an approach is much harder to teach. And if you can do that from day one, then you're going to have success in baseball. So I think Navarro having a good approach is helping him. From Jesus Navarro with all of his multi-hit games, five in a row, Brandon Grzelanek suddenly has all these multi-hit games in a row. You're right, Jesse. Four consecutive multi-hit games. He's got, I believe, four RBIs during that time. He had an RBI single last night over shore. But what I want to see from Brendan Grislonic, and this is what we've seen over the last five games, is that he's hitting the ball on a line, on a rope, where you always talk to me in batting practice about a top spin or backspin. I think he's getting a lot of backspin on the baseball when he hits that ball on a line over shore. The ball you know, stays in the air, but enough to go straight down to the ground. So it's like a sinking line drive. And that's exactly what he's doing. You know, over the past, let's see, three games, we've seen Dayton, um, Bowling Green, and West Michigan play a lot of shifts. They're not playing the shift on Brandon Grzelanek because he can hit the ball on any part of the ballpark, right center field, left center field, down the lines, whatever. He's a spray hitter, and he's a guy that Matty Young and the coaching staff has said that every team needs a Brandon Grzelanek. Oh, beautiful. Dante DeCaria at Diamond underscore Dante on Twitter, checking in with some Lansing Lugnut single-A baseball on Around the Nest. Dante, thank you very much. Are you excited to be a, a mighty wombat coming up tomorrow? You know what, Jesse? I used to play backyard baseball, backyard sports in general, with backyard hockey, backyard tennis, the whole, the whole series back in the day when I was a young Dante. And I'm very excited, especially for the fact that we're doing wiffle ball in front of the park. Uh, Jesse, I'm just going to tell you right now, you probably won't see me in the press box prepping. I'll be outside playing wiffle ball, if you don't mind. You'll make sure that those batters put the whiff in wiffle ball. I don't <laughs> mind at all. Dante DeCaria joins me calling Lansing Lugnuts games all season long. Dante, thank you. Jesse, always a pleasure. We'll see you in a few minutes.
All right. And this concludes another week of Around the Nest. Jay talking our way around the Blue Jays minor league organization. Thank you very much for tuning in. A big thanks to our Bluebird Banter partner, SB Nation partner, bluebirdbanter.com, to Tom, to the minor leaguer, minor underscore leaguer, for doing such great things. On Twitter, we are at, at Around Nest. Whatever questions we are able to answer, we try to answer for you. So no word yet on, for example, an Nate Pearson or an Adam Klaffenstein. No word yet on any po- uh, anybody for the AFL. But anything that we see, anything that we observe, any fun anecdotes to share, uh, it is our pleasure to bring them your way, just like it's our pleasure to bring you the sounds of the game each night on these airwaves, wherever you can listen to the voices around the system. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. For Dante DeCaria, for Jim Tarabokia, Tyler Murray, Pat Malacaro, Zach Helton, we thank you and we bid you enjoy the baseball. This has been Around the Nest, Jay talking our way around the Blue Jays organization.